My mom and dad could never make a lot of money when they had eight kids going in and out of the store. We pretty much ate up everything they had. I helped myself to a lot more soft drink, candies, cookies, sandwiches, than I did stamps. I didn't have much use for those. It's my guess that Carville was about 85% black, and for the first ten years of my life it was segregated and whites and blacks went about their business separately. It might have been hard for an outsider to figure out that Carville was divided along racial lines because there weren't any facilities to segregate. My father, Chester, employed a black man in his store, something you never saw, and we never used racial slurs in my family on instruction from our parents. Because the biggest employer around was the federal government, the National Leposorium in town was the town's premier center for the treatment of Hansen's disease, Carville was a different kind of place, and it's safe to say I grew up in one of the more egalitarian places in the rural South. But after the Supreme Court ruled in landmark Brown v. Board of Education case in 1954, everything changed. Once segregation was declared unconstitutional, people paid more attention to what had been the norm around town for many years. After taking segregation for granted for generations, whites became fearful of what a newly empowered black minority might mean, and we knew we had black people were going to assert their constitutional rights. Perhaps the prevailing sentiment was that if blacks weren't so pushy, life would continue along as it had before. Few times in life you can pick out an experience that forced you to alter an opinion you held. I can right here. When I was 16, I borrowed a copy to kill a mockingbird from the mobile library. I asked for a book about football, but I guess the lady could tell I needed some educating. I got so engrossed in Harper Lee's classic that I stuck it inside a different cover and read it under my desk during lessons at school. When I finished, I realized I was wrong about race, dead wrong. My great-grandfather was born in Ireland. He came over to Wisconsin when he was 12 years old and was in a regiment at the end of the Civil War. As a Republican in the era of Reconstruction in the South, he was with the good guys, and a great emancipator himself, Lincoln, of course, was a Republican. My great-grandfather actually served in the Louisiana legislature and in the very short administration of Governor P.B.S. Pinchback, the first African-American governor of any state. The Republican inclinations of my family at the time have left a legacy that lives on me. Don't be alarmed, my Democratic friends. It's just my name. My daddy's name was Chester, and my actual name is Chester James Carville. The Chester in question, who was thusly honored, was Chester A. Arthur, 21st President of the United States and a Republican, who assumed office in 1881 after the assassination of President Garfield. Presidential names are Carville tradition. In my great-grandfather's day, people who were pro-Union tended to be very patriotic, and they could show this by naming their kids after presidents. My great-grandfather was John Madison Carville, the fourth president, and his brother Garfield, number 20, the assassinated one, and another Republican. By the time I was growing up, Democrats and Republicans were standing for very different principles, and I could see which side was going to represent me. I understood from reading To Kill a Mockingbird that things had to change, and I knew the federal government had to make these changes. It wasn't as if Congress could pass a law in Washington and segregation would simply wither away. There were riots when Jane Meredith tried to enroll at the University of Mississippi in 1962, and it took 500 marshals and a detachment of Army engineers to allow this brave pioneer to take his rightful place at school. My already existing interest in politics had a point on which to focus, and my views have remained the same since this time. My understanding that black people were getting a bad deal ensured I became a National Democrat because of the party's commitment to civil rights. I helped organize the first chapter of College Democrats at Southern University the historically black university in Baton Rouge. A group of us went up there to help the students start their chapter in 1964, and when I was at LSU, 
We may have been the first LSU students to ever set foot there. I campaigned for Hubert Humphrey when he passed through our mutual alma mater in 1964 as a vice presidential candidate, and I still have a copy of a letter he wrote me at the time. In 1966, ahead of being drafted, I joined the U.S. Marines. Whenever there's a war, Corvills join up. That's just what we do. Serving in the Corps was very formative. The military doesn't tolerate any racial BS, and there wasn't any institutional segregation, although the white guys hung up with the white guys and the black guys, the black guys by and large. I was in the Corps through 1968. When I left the Corps, integration was moving forward, especially in the schools, and I wanted to be part of the deal. So I taught science, which I knew little about, at a public school for boys in Vashry, Louisiana in 1969, which was the first year complete integration in the state. The school was maybe 60-40 white. I developed a fascination for the machinery of politics from the theater and circus I saw at the state legislature in Baton Rouge during the 50s.